Hare Krishna Gogopina Shamakunda Radhakunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai Mathura Dhamma Ki Jai Navadvip Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai Gangamaya Jamuna Devi Ki Jai Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai Samaveta Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande All glorious to the assembled devotees All glorious to the assembled devotees All glorious to the assembled devotees all glories to Sri Guru and Garanga, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnupadaya, Krishnapastaya, Bhutale, Srinivasa, Bhaktivedanta Swami, Niti Namane. Namaste, Saraswati Deve, Gauravani, Pacharana, Nivasesa, Sandhavati, Pascha, Chadu, Sitaya. It's 16, 16. It's supposed to be 16. Supposed to be 16. Yeah, but it's 16. Vandeyam Shri Guru Shri Yuta Padakamalam Shri Guru and Vaishnavam Shashi Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitamstam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Padijana Sahita Krishna Chaitan Evam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitamsha Vanchakapuji Vishaki Pasandavatapatijanam Pavanavya Vaishnavya Maha Om Nimo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So it's August 7th, 2022 in Hillsborough, North Carolina Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 38 These are Akura's thoughts as he's on his way to Vrindavan Text 16 Apyangrimule pratitasyame vibhu. Apyangrimule pratitasyame vibhu. Sirasya rasyani jahasta pankajam. Sirasya rasyani jahasta pankajam. Tatabayam kala bujangaram hasa. Tatabayam kala bujangaram hasa. Prodweti janam saranaisinam nirnam. Please chant. Api, furthermore, hungry of his feet, mule at the base, patitasya, who have fallen, may of me, vibhu, the Almighty Lord. Shirashi upon the head Adyasyat will place Nija his own Hasta hand Pankajam lotus like Dutta which grants Abayam fearlessness Kala time Buja Anga of the serpent Ramhasa by the swift force, Prodvijitanam, who are greatly disturbed, Sharana, shelter, Aishinam, searching for, Nrinam, to persons, EBT translation. And when I have fallen at his feet, the Almighty Lord will place his lotus hand upon my head. 
For those who seek shelter in him, because they are greatly disturbed by the powerful serpent of time, that hand removes all fear. So there's no BBT purport. Um, Sanatana Goswami and Jiva Goswami write almost identical commentaries, so I'm just going to read Jiva's, and Vishnu Chakravati Thakur's is very short, so I'm just going to read Jiva Goswami's Tika. Because of the appearance of strong bhakti, Akura is not satisfied with just offering respects. Because, you know, the verse starts out, when I've fallen at his feet. So he wants to go beyond that. He desires the touch of the Lord's hand. That is expressed in two verses, 16 to 17. Api means openly. When I fall at the base of his feet, my master, Vibhu, will place his own lotus hand on my head. So that's the second line of the Sanskrit. That hand is described. Though I will be successful if one of his dear friends puts his hand on my head, will he not place his own hand on my head? Time is a snake because it destroys all beings and acts quickly to accomplish its task without being seen. That hand destroys fear in people who desire protection and are afflicted by the pursuit of the snake of time. The possessive case expresses the dative case. That hand gives fearlessness to all people. And Krishna book, Srila Prabhupada primarily talks about the next verse. So, a really sweet section in Krishna verse in Krishna book about verse 17. Abhyangri mule patitasya me bibu shirasyadat yadasyam nijahasya hasta pankajam tata bayam kala bujangaram hasa pro dve jitanam sharanaishinam yunam. And when I have fallen at his feet, the Almighty Lord will place his lotus hand upon my head. For those who seek shelter in him, because they are greatly disturbed by the powerful serpent of time, that hand removes all fear. So the snake of time. So the other day I was out in the garden and I noticed that one of the, we have a lot of bird sculptures in, in Vrinda's garden, so one of the bird sculptures had fallen over and when I went to pick it up, I noticed that there was a little tiny snake. You know, you could tell it wasn't a worm because it had the, the tongue, you know, the, the fork tongue. So I don't know if that was a full-grown tiny kind of snake or if it was a baby of a, of a snake, it's a little snake. And I was thinking, it's probably harmless and is probably going to eat, you know, rats and mice, leave it alone. So the snake of time, we're all afraid of the snake of time. Uh, everyone in this world, uh, just like even seeing this tiny, little, tiny little snake, I felt some fear immediately. Now immediately I was like, oh, there's a snake. And Krishna's lotus hand, it removes this fear. So Jiva Goswami says the snake of time, it destroys all beings, it acts quickly, and it's unseen. So time is like that, isn't it? Right? How is it that my hair turned gray and I need to wear glasses and I can't hear as well as I used to and my gums are receding and my bones are brittle? I, mean, I didn't like see that happening, you know? It was unseen. You look in the mirror every day and from one day to another it doesn't seem like you change very much and then, you know, all of a sudden you see, hey, there's my, my mother, my father looking out the mirror at me. 
you know, there's my, now there's my grandparent looking out the mirror. And it's like that, you know, you, you build a building and it's a new building and then, you know, the roof leaks and the floor has to be replaced and the hinges fall off and the windows rust and you don't see it happening day by day. And, and everything in this world is like that. You know, our body, our buildings, our objects, our relationships. I was thinking how, you know, my parents, have, they've been dead for almost 20 years. And so many things have happened in my life without them. It just, it's gone. You know, that ability to share my relationship with my parents and how, hey dad, this has happened and that's happened. And it's, it's over, it's gone. And so we're all in fear of this time that wears away everything. You know, everything that we do in this world, everything we are in this world, without being seen, it's, it's, it's eroding. I mean, our very sense of self is destroyed by time. Right? We had some sense of self as a young child and you know, I'm this person's child and I go to this elementary school and I like to do, you know, I used to like to do gymnastics and that identity is, is gone. And of course, at death, my whole present identity, you know, I'm Ermila Davy Dasi, Dr. Edith Best, and it, it, it's, it's gone. And just like we can't remember all of our identities, like Krishna tells Arjuna, he said, many, many births you and I have passed, I can remember all of them, but you cannot a wonderful purport Prabhupada gives there about the difference between God and even the liberated living entity. So all those identities that I put so much time and effort into, we used to have this drama called the wrong bank account. And, and I, I must say, for a long time, I didn't really understand it. Like there's this guy, you know, every week when he gets his paycheck, he puts money into a savings account. And then when he goes to retire, he wants to get the money out, and there's no money. You know, you can put money into someone else's account. You know that, right? You can't take money out of someone else's account, but you can put money into someone else's account as long as you have their, their account number. So you just get one number wrong. You know, like you get one phone number wrong, and you're calling, you're calling some stranger. So you got one number wrong somehow. He was putting all this money into someone else's account. It took me a long time to understand, what does this drama mean? It means if I'm investing my time, my energy, my emotions, my intelligence into my bodily and mental identity of this life, then I'm constantly in a state of fear. Because I'm investing in something that's, that's temporary, it's not real, it's not me. And so in materialistic consciousness, fears are constant companions. It's constant compared. Because every single thing, you know, imagine if somebody's investing their money into some really, you know, risky stocks. They put, you know, all of their savings into something. And then they're always in fear. Always checking the markets. So that's our situation. We're constantly checking. You know, is my body working okay? Is my mind working okay? Are all my relationships in order? Is my building okay? Is my car okay? Is my stuff overcome? Because we know that at any moment, and at any moment, the whole thing can be wiped away. 
So what a horrible situation if this is compared to sand in sweet rice. So sweet rice is, is a wonderful preparation. But it, it's a very creamy preparation. It's, kind, it's a, like kind of pudding. Right? And if you put sand in it, there'd still be milk, there'd still be sugar, there'd still be rice, maybe like saffron or something. But you wouldn't be able to enjoy it. So all of our material enjoyment, therefore Krishna says, Dukalayam Ashashvatam. Ashashvatam. Even if one says, oh yes, yes, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. I have a good family, I have nice friends, I have a good job, I have a good position, I have a beautiful house, you know, I have a beamer in my garage. Even if we say, this is sand in there. This sand. Every time we get in a car, right? Every time we walk down the stairs. Everything is, is subject uh, to destruction. So what are we going to do about this? I mean, materialistic people try to find materialistic solutions to this sphere. Either they try to ignore it with, you know, intoxication or busyness or entertainment. You know, where they try to mitigate it with, you know, cosmetics and plastic surgery and exercise and diets and pills. But it, it doesn't go away. So here Akur is saying the solution is Krishna's hand. And of course we have this concept, he has this word abhaya. It removes fear. Now often we talk about Krishna's lotus feet, right? As removing fear. And of course Akur has also talked about Krishna's feet. But here he's focusing on Krishna's hand. So why does Krishna's hand remove fear? Why does the touch of Krishna's hand remove this fear? It establishes us in our own identity. Now even if it's indirect, we think about the story of Dhruva Maharaj. Dhruva Maharaj was full of fear. He was definitely in a dysfunctional family situation. You know, dysfunctional families don't only exist in Kali Yuga, they even existed in Satya Yuga, where his father emotionally neglected him out of love for a stepmother. Today that's common everywhere. You know, my father disinherited me for his, my stepmother. So Uchanapad was also like that. He was going to disinherit his child, but his child was only five and he was afraid. How am I going to get the love of my father? How am I going to get the kingdom? How am I going to be secure? And when the Lord didn't even touch him directly, he touched him with his conch shell, yes? His hand holding his conch shell, touching Dhruva, and immediately Dhruva can understand, I'm not this body. I'm not the son of Uttanapada. I'm not the stepson of Sunuchi. I don't need a kingdom. I don't need my parents' love to be safe. I don't need a kingdom to be safe. I'm already safe. 
Krishna goes to this whole list. The soul can't be withered by the wind, it can't be moistened by water, it can't be burned by fire. The, the soul is indestructible and unchangeable. The soul actually has nothing to do. So many times Prabhupada would say, you know, you're already liberated. You're not really in touch with this material energy ever. It's, it's a, the Shastra compares Maya to a bad dream. It's like somebody, you know, absorbed in a book or a movie and the, the character's in danger and they're thinking, that's me, I'm in danger. And as soon as, as we're touched with Krishna's hand, immediately we see that the illusion is dissipated. And we see the reality. My identity has no beginning and no end. I've been listening to class after class after class, Prabhupada talking on Bhagavad Gita 2.11, 2.12. Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. We've, we've always been who we are. Our real family, our real friends, our real home is eternal. It, it's, it's always been and it will always be. You know, we're like someone who's surrounded by a, a loving family and a beautiful home and we're absorbed in a video game or a movie and we, we think we're in, like living in another reality. And Krishna's hand just immediately, the touch of Krishna's hand just awakens that. And therefore it gives us fearlessness. It also gives us fearlessness because Krishna's hand is very loving. And we feel that love from the Lord. So it's not just a question of, of sat, that I am eternal, I am indestructible. But it's also ananda. I have a relationship with the Lord and I have a loving relationship with the Lord. I might have said this before, some months ago, a devotee contacted me, how she had been really taking care of her health and, and really, you know, very, very responsible and some terrible... Uh, physical thing happened to her anyway and she was saying you know why did this happen I, I want to know why it happened and I said well I don't I said I can't tell you exactly what the details are I said you may at some point understand I said certainly once you're out of this body you'll be able to understand exactly why this happened what the specifics are what exactly you did or didn't do or whatever I said that the ultimate reason it happened is always love. That everything that Krishna is arranging for us is loving. Although it may not appear that way at the time to us. It may not look that way. Just like when Ganga was throwing the babies in the river, she was doing that out of love for those souls. But it, to Santanu it didn't look like that. To Santanu it looked like, what is this you know, horrific demon woman I married killing our babies? So the ultimate experience of the touch of Krishna's hand is that we realize. Right? We realize we get peace. We realize Krishna's controlling everything, he's enjoying everything, and he's our best friend. 
And then we, the opposite of fear is peace. Oh, I have Ananda, I have a relationship, a loving relationship with Krishna. And then we actually understand knowledge is not just scientific knowledge. This wonderful quote, one of Prabhupada's purports, he said, even if you can count all the atoms in the universe, and he says, and even if you can roll up the sky like you're betting, still you cannot understand Krishna. So we're looking for knowledge also in order to find peace, in order to get free from fear. If I could just understand why I'm another devotee asking me for help and she's been through horrific, she grew up in Iran or Iraq and she had like horrific abuse from childhood and just was telling me her life is one of these like horror stories. And she was saying, I just want to understand why. She said, if I could know why, then I would be peaceful. So we're thinking like that. If I could just like understand the way the world works, then I would be able to have peace. But when Krishna's hand touches us, we understand. Actually understand. That everything is love and everything is perfect. That there is nothing imperfect, there is nothing wrong, there is nothing out of place, and then we find freedom from fear. So Krishna's hand reveals our sat, that we are eternal, that we can't be harmed, our loving relationship and real marriage. So I wanted to look at some wonderful examples of Krishna's hand, and Akura is going to be talking about some in the next verse, which, as I say, Prabhupada really discusses in Krishna book, but I also wanted to look at some of, of my real favorites. So this one from the Bhagavatam, this is 5.18.23, and uh, this is the goddess of fortune speaking. She says, O infallible one, your lotus palm is the source of all benediction. Therefore your pure devotees worship it, and you very mercifully place your hand on their heads. I wish that you may also place your hand on my head, for although you already bear my insignia of golden streaks on your chest, I regard this honor as merely a kind of false prestige for me. You show your real mercy to your devotees, not to me. Of course, you are the supreme absolute controller, and no one can understand your motive. So this is a very nice verse if we want to, like Akura, be asking the Lord, please place your hand on my head. I'm going to read these next in reverse order. So this is Prahlad Maharaj speaking to Nisingadev after the death of Hiranyakashipu. And I'm first going to read 7926. I'm going to read these in reverse order because this verse relates to the one I just read about Lakshmi asking for the Lord to put his hand on her head. So this is again Prahlad Maharaj speaking to Nisingadev. Oh my Lord, O Supreme, because I was born in a family full of the hellish material qualities of passion and ignorance, what is my position? 
And what is to be said of your causeless mercy, which was never offered even to Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, or the goddess of fortune, Lakshmi? You never put your lotus hand upon their heads, but you have put it upon mine. So this mood very much relates to what we were reading previously with the Kura, where he was both having this deep humility and this deep gratitude for mercy. We should be very careful not to go to pseudo-humility, which is tamagun's self-loathing. So the humility of the devotees is, a, is an ecstatic, actually it's a vyavichalibhav, it's an ecstatic emotion because it's completely tied up with gratitude for mercy. In fact, gratitude for mercy is impossible without humility. I can't be grateful for things I think I deserve. That, it, it's incompatible. So it's, it's part of love. Actually, you can't have any loving relationship without humility and gratitude. It, it's impossible. This is stated in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita that dainya and prema, are, are, they're, in, they're linked. As soon as I think that I deserve something, I am incapable of being appreciative and grateful. And if I'm incapable of being appreciative and grateful, then I see others as owing me something. And then I see them as objects. And I'm not able to have love. Love means that I, have, I care for the benefit of the other. So again, going out earlier to that chapter, the same chapter going to 796, and this describes when Lord Nisingadev put his hand on Prahlad Maharaj's head and the result of that. By the touch of Lord Nisingadev's hand on Prahlad Maharaj's head, Prahlad was completely freed of all material contaminations and desires as if he had been thoroughly cleansed. Therefore he at once became transcendentally situated and all the symptoms of ecstasy became manifest in his body his heart filled with love and his eyes with tears. And thus he was able to completely capture the lotus feet of the Lord within the core of his heart. So this is what we were just discussing. What is the effect of the touch of the Lord's hand? Yes. And I've also uh, looked up in Vishnu Chakravati Thakur's Madhurya Kadambani in the eighth shower of Prema, there, when the devotee achieves prema, and he first interacts separately with different aspects of the Lord, the Lord's beauty, the Lord's fragrance, the Lord's voice, and at the very end, all of those simultaneously. And it's, if you haven't read Madhurya Kadambani, that section, that eighth shower of nectar, that description of prema is, is something, I mean, I've read the whole, it's a very short book. I've read it many, many times. And that, that section is, is really worth meditating on. There's a... When I used to work at, at what used to be called Cameron Park, I can't remember the, what they've renamed it to. So I used to work as an assistant principal. And thank you, Krishna. The other assistant principal who shared my office was also a student at UNC. And when I, was, when I would go to my classes at UNC, I would go in Sari and Tilak and was very open about uh, being a member of the Hare Krishna movement. But at this school, I was completely undercover. You know, this is a Bible Belt area and 
if they had had an excuse to fire me from my job, I wouldn't have been able to get my degree. It was part of my getting my degree. So I was very, very happy that with, um, what was her name, Renee Horman, I think, that at least with Renee, I could be very open that, that I'm uh, trying to practice Christian consciousness. And she herself uh, was a very devout Christian. So she had some respect and affinity for the fact that I was trying to be a religious person. So she used to play modern Christian music in the office. So I, I got familiar with a lot of the, a lot of the modern Christian uh, bands and, and songs. And one of them, I forget the name of the, of the group, was called, I can only imagine it was a, a song about, you know, what will happen when I see Jesus? Will I, will I fall at his feet? Will I get up and jam- dance? Will I be stunned into silence? Will I be praising him? And this description of Vishnu Chakravati Thakur in Madhurya Kadambani is actually a description. You know, one may wonder, what, what will it be like when I see Krishna? Uh, and he's actually describing one will, be, one will be overwhelmed by the beauty of Krishna and all of one's senses will become like eyes. And then one will be overwhelmed by the fragrance of Krishna, the Chatusma. And, you know, all of one's senses will become like a nose and one will be overwhelmed by the voice of Krishna. And then one will be overwhelmed by the touch of Krishna. So there Vishnu Chakravati Thakur says that for those in uh, Dasya Ras, Krishna will put his hand on their head. And he said for those in uh, Sakiras, what is it? Uh, He will intertwine his fingers with theirs. For those in Vatsalyaras, he'll rub his own tears from his eyes. And for those in Madhuryaras, he will embrace them. Now, of course, we know Krishna also embraces his parents, and he also embraces the cowherd boys. And I was thinking, you know, uh, Krishna is sucking Madhya milk, and he's holding her breast, and he's, you know, even ordinary babies, they're patting their mother, right, when they're drinking milk, they're, they're... patting their mother's face and their, right, that touch of the hand and Mother Yasoda's putting baby Krishna to bed I was talking yesterday to a godbrother uh, who's living in Vrindavan now and he said, he said I'm hoping that I get to die here in Vrindavan in my room he said I have a picture of baby Krishna behind my bed and I have a mirror on the other side so whichever way I'm facing I can see baby Krishna's picture you know, in Mother Yasoda, Nandamara is right, he's holding, it's explaining Nandamara is just holding baby Krishna's hand. Then you see ordinary parents are doing that, like you put your finger, their little tiny hand, put your finger in their hand. Of course, for the parents, they're putting their hands on Krishna's head uh, to bless him. Right? It's in, it's in reverse. Uh, but even with the servants, like it's explained that in the Bhagavatam, that Krishna shakes Lord Brahma's hand. Yes? Krishna said, imagine that. Krishna shaking your hand. Well done. Good servant. Thank you. Thank you very much for your service. That, that touch of, of Krishna's hand. And I was also uh, thinking about the, the prayer to Govardhan. I can't remember, this is Krishna Chakravati Thakur. So this is the second prayer. 
Beloved's lotus hand with delicate touch gives deepest happiness holding above earth. So Indra's thunderbolt striking, he won't feel a Govardhanyo. May you grant my request. This is my translation. Beloved's lotus hand with delicate touch gives deepest happiness holding above earth. So Indra's thunderbolt striking, he won't feel O Govardhanyo. May you grant my request. So I put the translation to the same order as the Sanskrit and in the same meter. So when Krishna's lotus hand, and this isn't even his whole hand, it's just one finger of his hand. So he's just with one finger of his hand, he's touching Govardhan. And Govardhan is feeling such ecstasy and such fearlessness that he doesn't even feel Indra's thunderbolt striking. So this is actually the fearlessness. If we're absorbed in our Satchit Ananda by the touch of Krishna's hand, we hardly have an awareness of the difficulties. I mean, one has to have some awareness. Prabhupada talks about how a businessman is riding in the backseat of a car and he knows where his driver, you know, in India, practically anybody has a driver. He knows where the driver is going, he has some awareness, but he's absorbed in his own business. So when one is experiencing this touch of Krishna's hand, then one has some awareness of this world. It's not that one just, you know, doesn't look both ways when crossing the street or something. But one is absorbed in another reality. Now, as we've said before, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who's exemplifying the mood of a devotee has three types of consciousness, external, internal, and mixed. When Mahaprabhu is in full internal consciousness, he doesn't display any awareness of the external world at all. He displays no awareness where he is, what shape his form is in, who is around him, anything like that, like when he's pulled from the sea or when he's by the, the cows, like with his limbs withdrawn like a turtle. And an external consciousness, which he particularly would be when the devotees would come from Bengal. You know, he was dealing with the world. But mixed internal, external, he would be meditating on Krishna's pastimes and at the same time dealing with the world. Of course, Mahaprabhu and the jivas who are great devotees always keep some internal consciousness even when they're in what we would call external consciousness. Like Prabhupada said, I'm always seeing Krishna. But we should be aware that when we're in primarily external consciousness, then we will be more aware of the difficulties in this world. But if we keep some connection to the internal consciousness at all times, then we always have this undercurrent of fearlessness, like the materialists always have an undercurrent of fear. So... Questions, comments, additions, subtractions. Yes, <laughs> you were talking about um, the snake of time, mm. and I was thinking how the snake, the time, can be our greatest ally. Mm. It, it depends on how we look at it, right? Yes. Because time is getting us closer to the world. 
So if we are connected to the trust of devotion, time is our greatest ally. Yeah, time can also be our greatest ally, bringing us closer to Krishna. Well, I thought about it, I didn't end up saying it, but I was thinking about how Krishna says, Kalosni, he is time. Of course, when Arjuna sees Krishna as time, he almost forgets his friendship with Krishna, not entirely, but almost. And he becomes fearful, although he's normally not fearful. And he says, you know, I, I don't really want to see this, this time. Although Krishna showed him time to give him assurance, wasn't it? Krishna showed him time in order to show, actually, I am time. And even as time, I am your friend. I am smashing all these soldiers. You don't need to hesitate to go on the, on the battlefield. But yet we also see that Krishna's time, my friend Rukmini, who would visit here, she likes to call Krishna the time being. <laughs> so yeah, Krishna is the time being. So if we see like that, then also we can come to fearlessness. Thank you. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.